So where do you guys get your information on travel agencies? Where is it you guys hear about what an agency is, is their objectives are and what they're looking for and why it is that they're going after you and how it all works? Most of the time, you guys are looking at it from another traveler, which I think is, like I've always said here, one of the best sources you can. But when's the last time you actually truly found out from a CEO of a company truly what our goals are? Well, that's what we're going to talk about on this week's edition of Travel Evolved. It's Travel Evolved. I'm Mark Holloway. Welcome, everybody. I'm getting all I'm getting all flustered because I love I love this episode. This is going to be a good one today. I really hope so. I hope I do this one justice. We're going to talk about travel agencies' goals today, which you know, again, kind of like I think it was last week or I don't remember what it was. I, I I could literally end this episode in about five minutes by saying our goal is to make as much money as possible off of your backs. Thanks. See you next week on Travel Evolved. I really could. <laughs> that sounds silly. But, you know, listen, let's not be fooled. Every company on the planet, unless you're a nonprofit, your goal is to make as much money as you can. I just find this industry to be a little unique in the fact that you guys, your constituents, your counterparts, your peers, tend to put their heads in the sand. Not you guys, because you guys are travel evolved, trained travelers. But your counterparts out there tend to put their heads in the sand and pretend like this industry isn't a huge, ridiculous fallacy unto itself. And I'll talk about why. And you guys, anybody that's listened to anything I've done knows where I'm going with this. So, of course, agencies want to make money. I want my agency to make money. The thing that I'll talk a lot about today in this episode is that I think a lot of agencies have lost their way. I think there's a lot of new agencies out there that never even knew what way was the right way. And I've watched margins increase, increase, increase. I've watched greed take over this industry. It's It's been an ugly industry to the point that, as many of you guys know, about three years ago, I, I said, I'm done. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to be in this industry anymore because it's ugly. And it can be. However, I still think there's so many wonderful things about this industry. There's so many feel-good stories that even from my standpoint, my side of the triangle of trust, believe it or not, there's some really feel-good stories. I experienced them recently where you could truly help an individual stay in their career, make a lot of money, do it ethically. I think that last little adjective I just used is, is really where we've lost our way, the ethics and the greed factor that's come in. So we're going to talk a lot about this today, and I'm excited to do it because, to me, this is kind of, once again, the quintessential edition of Travel Evolved. This is the ones that get me kind of pumped up because I think they're fun. They're fun to like talk about and have you guys listen to me 
use language that you've probably never heard anybody from my side of the desk, including recruiters, credentialing people, CEOs, vice presidents, even remotely talk about. There's reasons why. <laughs> because, again, our goal is to make as much money on you as possible, but we're supposed to try to do it, or we shouldn't say we're supposed to. Agencies do it by hiding behind baloney and fallacies about what we're really there for. We're really there for you, the traveler. We're really there to help the community. Usually it's the first one. Agencies just love to talk about how they're there for the traveler and they're they're really watching out for the traveler's best interest. And you guys know that's baloney. You guys just know. I'm, I'm trying to clean this up and not say the words I really want to say. Anybody, I don't care if, if, if unless you're green as all green can be, you know... <laughs> that any business whether you're it's, it's an agency of a healthcare staffing company or you know a, a shoe manufacturer they do not have your best interest in mind they're there for themselves they're there to make money as all of us are you the traveler are out there to make money as all of you are and and you know we don't fault you for that we shouldn't because it's it, it's everybody is trying to accomplish the same goal we're just working against each other because what your goal is takes away from our goal and the hospital's goal and vice versa and all the different things we talked about in all those different episodes so let's jump in because this this is again I'm going to say some things that many of you have heard before, but I hopefully I say them differently. For some of you, if this is your first time you've ever seen me or if, you're ever, if you haven't watched an awful lot, then this may open your eyes to some things. I hope it does. So, again, the biggest point is it's pretty simple. An agency's top goal is to earn as much of the pie, and the pie being the bill rate, for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, the all-inclusive hourly bill rate that we're able to charge for your every hour that you work. An agency's goal is to really maximize as much of that, that that pie, the biggest slice that they can take without it being obvious, without it putting them behind their competition for pay rates and those sorts of things. Now, there are some reasons why some agencies uh, have designed an agency to have to have a bigger slice, growth, size of agency. Sometimes can, can uh, play on that. We'll talk about that. But they're trying to do it with the least amount of transparency as possible. And you guys know that I... I I've used that word for over a decade now, and I hate it because it was a, a word that was really cool when I first started using it because no one was using it. <laughs> now it's everywhere, uh, including you know stuff going on in our, our, our world right now, and it just, it's just a really big buzzword, transparent, transparent. Last time I heard transparency when I was a kid, we were talking about you know, Wonder Woman's jet. It wasn't something that was you know, a, a, a literally a, a word used by some people every single day. So... That's kind of the goal. How do we make as much money off of you without you realizing it and running to a company that isn't making as much money off of you? That's that's kind of the game, so to speak. It's an attempt to convey an advantage of, of that one company has over all the other companies. So let's just, just think about that for a minute. Again, I know I've said this before. I know this is redundant for some of you. I know I've done it in little snippets and, and on podcasts and things that people have, uh, my team has taken and pulled apart and thrown out there. We all have basically, overwhelmingly, we're all working on the same level playing field with the number of jobs. We have the, the types of job we have and the bill rates for those. Now, that's a sweeping statement that isn't 100% true, and I'll go into some details on how it is. But for the most part, 
like almost all the jobs, that is an accurate statement for. The jobs that I have, I can tell you, I don't have any exclusive jobs. There isn't one, I'm trying to think, making sure I'm saying that right, I'm not misleading. No, there isn't one job that I have with my agency that at least another agency or many more don't have the exact same position given at the exact same hourly bill rate that we are offered it as. There are a few of those jobs I have that some other company who maybe holds the contract has it for a higher bill rate because they haven't carved out the $10 hour that they're offering it to us for. In other words, the hospital may have given them, let's say, 120 and they're saying, you guys go fill it. Here's 110 and they're going to keep 10 at the top. That happens all the time. There are also um, obviously some, some vendors that work amongst themselves. It's kind of the same thing I'm saying, but I do know that they, they too also don't offer us agency the same amount of bill rate. I haven't seen where a current contract you know, gives one agency one bill or another another agency another. That doesn't usually happen. I could be wrong in that, but I've never seen that. Where if we're all subcontract, let's say from one of the big companies, I haven't seen where each one of those bill rates varies. It's all the same. The company has their own, and then we've got what we're all left to play with. So it's pretty fair, is what I'm getting at. Point I'm making is that we all have basically the exact same position for the exact same hourly bill rate that we're able to bill every single hour. And it's company's objectives, by the way, the objective of the company, the goal of the company is to convince you, the traveler, to take said job through us and not take it through everybody else who has the exact same position. That's that's a fair and completely brutally honest statement to make. That's what we all do. The crazy part of our industry comes in when we try to pretend like, besides the things that we'll talk about today, that somehow every agency's reason, you know, offer, if it's not financial, somehow is magically should give you a compelling reason to take that job with that agency over all the others. If it's not money, what could it possibly be that would convince a traveler to take the exact same travel assignment with one company over another company or companies? that offers substantially more money per hour for doing literally the exact same thing. That's truly the game. That's what it is that they're they're trying to do. It's 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 unique in that way. You know, other industries I don't care if you're a consumer product, you you have a variance and a difference in the product in which you're pitching, you know, a soda tastes different than another soda. So whether you go on flavor or you go on calories, you know, or if you're if you're dealing with a pair of jeans, there's a reason they fit better or they wear better or the price of those jeans. There's a, there's there's a reason why you buy what you buy. But in our industry, that reason is clouded because you're being convinced and told we're the best company for X Y Z reason. And I've always said here in Travel Evolved, if it's not the money. What possibly could it be? I've got some lists down here, some things we'll talk about down in a minute of what they're going to try to attempt. My point being is that you guys are smarter than that. I've always said, and this is the end of the episode, we could end it again here, you guys should be working for a company that pays the most. And I know that my company pays more than anybody else's, so it's easy for me to say that. But that's by design. It's by design because of, the, because of my philosophy and the way that I feel. I've never understood. I mean, I just, if you're going to create a company out of thin air, and those of you guys that are following me that want me to still walk you through how I did that, which is coming up here in about 45 days, one of the first things I decided was why would you want to try to sell 
around the fact that you weren't paying more than anybody else. That's 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 too difficult. I'm th- no, thank you. I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in hiring a bunch of really great salespeople to try to convince travelers that for some other reason besides money that they should take a job from me. Yes, I would make a lot more. It is a, a model that many companies, clearly many companies adapt. I just personally think it's a it's a lot of work. It's a ton of work always trying to fight against the fact that, well, yeah, but there's three other companies, you know, Mark, that are paying more than you are, so why would I go with you? Well, uh, let me get out my tap dancing shoes and, and try to explain all the wonderful reasons why you should. I just felt, I mean, you'd call me, you'd call me silly or call me lazy, but I felt that was way too hard to try to do that. I don't want to run with everybody else out there. As a matter of fact, I'd like it to be a lot easier. So I thought, boy, if I could sure figure out a way to pay more all across the board, wouldn't my job be a lot easier? Wouldn't people run to me? Because it is, in fact, the exact same thing. Credentialing is the same. They're all requiring the same thing from us. Insurance pretty much is the same. I mean, if you, as long as you get an insurance plan that's that's comparable, um, I'm trying to think what else. What else could it possibly be? You know, any kind of investment portfolio that you're offering. So it's really kind of comes down to efficiency of the company, and more importantly, pay. So that's what we did, and that's why that's why I want to go off in this episode because I just think it's interesting for you guys to hear this because I, I think it will open your eyes to some things. Again, a company is going to attempt to convey an advantage to you of why you want to work for them over everybody else. And my simple question for you is, if it's not money, which I think is a legitimate advantage. I mean, listen, let me qualify this. Maybe there's, I did this a few episodes ago, by the way. Maybe in health insurance is the most important thing to you because let's say you're battling something and you've got a lot of pre-existing conditions going on and the quality of that health insurance supersedes pay, location of assignment, number of assignments. It is the absolute number one priority for you. Then I totally understand that being the most important. I would shop for an agency then that has the legitimate best insurance for what your needs are. And I would not go with the one that has the second best insurance. That's a true statement. The same thing I I think I could say, frankly, would be if there was a certain part of the country only. And I've said this before. Let's say I had to be in Southern California only. I will tell you guys quite transparently, hate the word, that there are some companies that that actually are in Southern California that if you're a Southern California person and that's where you want to go and that's where you want to be, I think there's some companies that do a better job than almost all of the companies at holding the majority of those positions. And I could see very honestly and transparently while those companies would make more sense to you to go to work for because you would constantly be able to work and I would not burn my bridge with that company. I really wouldn't. That makes sense to me. I think those are two kind of unique situations. I think pretty much everything across the board, other than that, and I've been doing this for 20 over 23 years now, I cannot think of a compelling reason to go to work for somebody else. So they're they're trying to convey an advantage when there is no advantage there to convey. It's a tough job. Imagine being a recruiter for a company. Put yourself, take yourself out of your, out of your travel shoes for a minute. Imagine that you quit traveling because you just you're dying to be a recruiter. Some of you are crazy enough to do that. I wouldn't do it now. Wouldn't do it now. Bad timing. But let's just say you were crazy enough and you jumped into recruiting and you 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 know that was going to be your thing. I would be really I really would think about what is it I'm going to say 
to all my fellow travelers now to go to work for this company. And the only thing you're going to be able to say, and this is a very common one, is that I am a better recruiter than the rest of them. Maybe because I've been a traveler myself. Okay, I think that's kind of legitimate. I think you would be potentially a more compassionate recruiter than others. I think you would have some empathy that a, that a non-travel recruiter wouldn't have. I think that's legitimate. Those are two good, I think, selling points. But you are still going to have to figure out how am I going to sell a potentially, if your company offers it this way, substandard pay rate for every job, every single job that, I, that I'm trying to pitch or sell. Are you going to be the top paying company? Probably not. There could be a lot that are paying less than you. But there's going to probably be somebody who's paying more than you. And that is going to be a challenge for you. Put yourself in recruiter's shoes, like I was saying. Let's say you're not going to travel. How hard must that be to walk into that office or if they're working remotely from home every single day? When it's your turn to be called, because we all know that there's priorities and there's other travelers that are going to take that priority first over you. But when it's your turn to be called, they're going to gear themselves up for the call and say, okay, i got to talk to Mark, and he's this particular specialty, and I've got these four jobs that seem like they were the right fit, and I'm finally going to call them, even though you know NextGen's app told them two days ago or earlier today that the job's already there with full transparency. <laughs> Sorry to do it it's our industry is nuts it's just it's so crazy anyway and now i got to gear myself up to tell this candidate hey i've got your job and here's what it's paying and i'm going to hold my breath literally to see if that person is going to freak out at me saying hey i saw that job for a hundred dollars two hundred dollars more a week that's 13 you know 100 bucks over the course of assignment that's that's you know that's obviously substantial you know over 400 dollars a month of Dis, of, of discretionary income, not disposable, but discretionary income that this company is paying over what you just pitched me. That's that's that cannot be fun. I'm lucky enough that every time I've, I've ran an agency, I did everything I could to be the top paying company. So that was one of the things I never wanted my recruiters to have to deal with. I'm sure that they did. I guarantee you. I know for a fact. I remember there are times when we did get beat. I didn't think it was a consistent thing, but there were times, and those times sucked. Imagine that every single time you go to pick up the phone, not knowing if the pitch they're going to make to, let's say, you is going to be met with, oh, my gosh, that's great, or more likely, well, that's okay, but I'm seeing on Facebook, and I just got to, you know, this, and I'm looking at NextGen's app, and I'm seeing, man, because that's going to be tough. And that's what that's what really today is about. That is what they're trying to do. Their goal is to, again, and here's the other thing I'll kind of point out. There is a finite number of travelers at any given point. It does ebb and flow. We know this. There are times, obviously, when there was a higher demand. We saw the supply increase and people left their jobs. I'm talking to, you know, last year, year before last. Then we saw it the opposite, where the demand completely got extinguished and lowered drastically, and there was a huge supply. The rates went down, but there is a finite number. Right now, there is a number of travelers, whatever that number is, that are openly looking for positions and openly working in them. And then there's a whole bunch of people that are kicking tires thinking about going into it. So as agencies, we are trying to get as many of that that, that sur- census, if you will, that, that, that survey of current travelers, the number of the census that is there right now, our goal is to get as many of you 
as we can and not have you go to work for the other hundreds of companies that offer the exact same job at potentially higher or potentially lower rates. Is that a fair statement? That, that's really what we're doing. We're not trying to create travelers. I've done some episodes where I've explained some of the reasons why to be a traveler, but I think I've also been as candid and done some episodes where I've said it's time to hang them up or maybe this isn't for you. I just believe that. It's not for everybody. I worry about travelers that jump in that don't really know what they're doing and, and quit their job and lose their tenure and, and jump into things that maybe is not the right nomadic lifestyle for them. But there's a finite number of you out there, and our true goal, if you really want to cut it down to it, forget about make as much money. That's going to happen naturally if we can gain more of the market share of you. In other words, what is it that we need to do today to get more of you to come work for us and less of you to work for our competitors? That's also a fair statement. So imagine being a the voice of many of these companies and many of these agencies you are literally out there trying to convince you the educated smart traveler all the wonderful and and compelling advantages for working for us over everybody else out there for the exact same position all right let me let me talk about a few of the processes i think here's where and i guess this next section i'm going to qualify this is what they're trying to do. They're trying to convince you that the process that they have, basically, for lack of a better word, is superior to everybody else's. And, and this is where they're really reaching. All of us are. This is what we do. First of all, the recruiting process. And I'm not going to talk about an app for a second, but let's just talk about the recruiters themselves. The simple fact is every agency wants to hire the best recruiters there are. Now, what does that mean? Well, from an agency standpoint, it means the best salespeople. That's fair. The hardest working, I think that's also fair. I can't just talk about people. People don't like the word salesperson. People think there's a negativity behind that. I've never felt that way. Salesperson is, it means that you're a BS artist. And that's not, that's not true. Good salespeople do things the right way. They talk bluntly. They, are, they allow you to see some things and compare apples to apples and that sort of thing. Good salespeople are that way. And again, one of the things I heard talking with one of my people New, one of my newer people, she said one of the recruiters that she really loves because that recruiter was very hardworking. I think that's a legitimate thing. A really hardworking recruiter. Here, let me give you an example. She said, and I, I'm not going to be perfect on this, to paraphrase, let's say this way. She said there were times in, in the middle of her assignment that one of her recruiters from actually one of the big companies, I will tell you, reach, would reach out to her and say, hey, I know you haven't told me where you want to go yet. But there is in you know six, seven weeks a really good opening. And she happens to be allied, by the way, this particular traveler. And there's a really good opening coming up in this location that you have told me before you want to go to. So I just want to let you know because we'd probably put you in front of me and get going. She hadn't she was she was selling, but this candidate did appreciate the fact that she was so organized and so hardworking that she was actually reaching out, letting her know well in advance that there were some other things coming up, whether she was working for her or not. And I, I think that's a that's a hardworking recruiter. And I do believe in the world of recruiting companies, which obviously all but one I know of are completely that way. Well, it's not true. There's three of us, I guess. That is a very valuable commodity. So yes, from a CEO standpoint, we want great salespeople, but we do also want hardworking recruiters. There's no substitute to that. In the world of recruiting in healthcare, a very hardworking but average salesperson or average talent, let's say, recruiter can make up for that by working really, really hard. There is a lot to be said about that. A lazy recruiter doesn't typically make a lot of money. And a lazy recruiter doesn't usually last in this industry. They usually get fired and they're a revolving door. 
if you have great sales ability, you can get by by working less hard. But if you've got the combination of two, you're going to make money for yourself, a lot of commission off a traveler's back, and you're going to make an agency a lot of money as well. You're going to be better. That's what we are looking for from an agency standpoint for those companies that work with recruiters. They're looking for the best, whoa, I just did it again, the best recruiter out there, which that's what that means. The Typically, I will just tell you, it means the best salesperson because we all know what I just said a few minutes ago, and that was we are trying to convince you to take the same job with us over everybody else. So we need someone who's better at convincing you to take that with us for whatever reasons we may or may not have given the recruiter to be able to do that. In other words, what have we offered the recruiter from our company? Do Are we one of the top paying companies? Do we have a great insurance plan? Is our credentialing process and the people in our, our credentialing department really, really solid and good? Talk about that here in a sec. So that's what we're looking for as far as what we want. And we're going to try to differentiate ourselves by even thumping our chest and claiming that our recruiting team is better. We're going to do TikToks, looking at showing you guys how much fun my recruiting team is having and how important you are and, and you know all the stuff that everyone's going to have to do. And we all do it to try to make you feel that our recruiting team is superior to the other 400 and some odd companies out there, their recruiting team. Some people are, some agencies and some recruiters are very good at that image and that projection and that that story. Some aren't so good. Some don't even try. So that's that's what we're looking for in our process. We already know that maybe our recruiting process might be superior too. Let's talk about that for a second. Our software that we've either developed ourselves or that we're using that many other companies use, we're using it better. In other words, there are softwares out there that make a recruiter smarter. Our 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 database management system, uh, to just kind of use some layman's terms. There's software that is specifically meant for recruiting. There's actually software that's meant for travel and healthcare staff recruiting that allows a recruiter to be able to set alarms, to be able to put you into certain categories for that when jobs come up, they are able to remember or remind you. And I've always said, that those do make a, a recruiter much more efficient. And they're very, very helpful in uh, keeping somebody who's not as organized or someone doesn't have a great memory to be reminded that you said you wanted to call, you know, here at the first of the year, let's say that you were going to think about traveling in 2023 and you want to call and lo and behold, you got a recruiter called you because they're like thinking, hey, I just said I was going to call you and here I am. And you're like, wow, this person's amazing. The fact is they're good. They've also got some great software that makes them as amazing because they didn't forget. But it also does help with matching up of, of certain jobs. Let's just say you've got a very unique, let's, let's just say you have a unique location you're looking for and a, and a unique and a very specific weekly gross that you have to make, if those two categories, you know, interact and, and oversee each other, there's an alarm that pops up that says, hey, John, call this particular traveler because we have this position. And like I've always said, they hopefully call you immediately. You've got to hope that that's the number one thing on their list of their best chances of making commission and making money because that's how they're going to prioritize you. They'll get to you. And if it is first, great. If it's later on in the day, you know, it may be already filled. There may be a bunch of people in front of it. The manager may have already taken the top three candidates earlier today that they were going to look at, and you're going in the pile, but the manager's not going to look at the pile anymore. You never really know. But the process of the recruitment, we want to make superior to all others. And that's a challenge. If you guys can, again, put yourself in an agency's shoes, you're hoping that a person is better than another person and a team of people are better which oftentimes has to do with your particular let's say your recruitment manager or your director of recruitment how good is he or she at, at handling that team are they training properly are they are they staying on top of them? Are they micromanaging are they letting them you know 
do their own thing what's the best philosophy and it's all about building that team and there i will tell you is a ton of effort by a lot of companies put into having that team be as as great as possible i i get it i would be doing that too i used to as well it's important to have that distinction of your agency be superior to others because it does help if your recruiting team is better and your recruiter itself is better than anybody else the chances of you taking that job with that company even if it's at a slightly lower pay or or you know let's say it's even a lot less is still greater than if that recruiter isn't solid so that's a that's a thing the rest of the processes and i will talk about you know let's just talk about credentialing which would naturally be the natural next step you've got to hope that you're your credentialing team and your process that you've outlined as an agency is solid enough and easy enough because it's not easy by the way guys i'll defend all of us agencies to tell you that every day more and more wrinkles are thrust upon us to make sure that we're adhering to the rules of the facility just start off with the insurance that they're asking for and all the different riders and theft and all the kind of crazy stuff we have to hold now but let's talk about the credentialing process itself it seems like every day Every hospital I work with, there's, oh, by the way, there's another thing you have to sign up. I'm telling you, if I book somebody and literally three months later at, at one hospital, let me finish my thought, and then literally three months later I book another person in that same hospital, it's amazing how many more documents that hospital has now added to their repertoire and their their requirements, if you will, of things that a traveler has to either sign or complete before they start there. It never goes the other way. I never see less, and it's amazing how fast there's like, oh, we just did that that facility and now there's two other things that are required or that facility changed from needing just any tb now they need a quantiferin or, or those kinds of things drive us nuts so you do have to have a very very strong solid credentialing team and i think that's another you know chest thumper that agencies try to do and that's their goal is to have that process be as fast and streamlined as possible there's nothing more frustrating for an agency than to have your all-in buy-in you've, you've chosen that agency and they get in the credentialing process and it stalls out because there is, let's be honest, there is a, a certain personality that works really well in credentialing that convinces you guys to do what's necessary for you to actually be able to start. And trust me, some of you guys really push back on this stuff like we're the ones that are in control. All we want to do, and again, here's some transparency, is get you through this process so that we can start you know, billing and you can start working. That's just the fact. So we're all you know, doing have the same exact goal. But some, some travelers really make that difficult. They procrastinate, and then they blame us when they don't get stuff done, and they get pushed back, or they just you know, literally complain about every single aspect that the hospital is asking for when it's not us that's asking. It's like, well, this is what the job entails. If you don't want it, we'll put you in front of something else, and we'll tell them that you can't come, but there'll be four or 20 other travelers that do want this position that will be willing to jump to those hopes. It's just tough. It's just tough. It's a hard area. I think payroll and insurance, all those areas are, are, again, places in which an agency is trying to improve and perfect their process, right? I'm not talking about pay packages. I'll talk about that here next. But that process is trying to be perfected. The reason <laughs> that having a recruiterless model made so much more sense to me was a number of these things that were, first of all, the pay package, which I'm talking about next. That was number one. But it was also to streamline everything else to not have to have you wait a day or even an hour or even 15 minutes for a job that you are looking for to be to be put in front of you where you can see it fully transparent that's the biggest advantage i think that that having an app makes and that is that there's no discrimination on how much money you're going to make a recruiter or a company before you find out about it and let's be honest if you're dealing with a human element that always comes into play 
I said this to, I think I was talking with a sterile processing tech or a CNA earlier this week, and I said, and she knew. She goes, yeah, I know that I'm the last person to get a phone call because they're always trying to book an RN or trying to book you know, a, a PT first, and then I came along, and I, I know I make everybody less money. I'm like, yeah, she gets it. Totally understood. But the reason that I was so big on an app was because there's she gets that job notification the same second that it comes out, just like a PT or a, or a respiratory therapist would or a nurse anesthetist. It's right there that second. So that's huge to me. This industry needed that so badly. But it also has to be where you don't have to call back and figure out what they're paying and what's this. It has to be perfect. Here's the gross amount based upon the GSA and what you're allowed to take and you know go from there. So the process itself needed a shakeup. And I believed heavily it had to do with that aspect. And then, of course, then what could you do pay-wise if you were actually able to shrink the slice of pie that you needed to take because you didn't have that half a million, million, million five in annual payroll sitting in your cubicle section of your office, sucking up time, hoping that they were, you know, getting the whip cracked on them and getting the calls done or whatever, you know, whatever the each agency's process was. It just... It's just 1984 all over again, and uh, we got rid of it. So let's talk about the pay package because, like I said earlier, I just don't – I hope you guys do this. I mean, if you are literally taking the first offer you get, or at least if you're looking at a job you want and you're jumping with the first agency without shopping that rate around, I think you're crazy. I think you're absolutely nuts. You're walking away from tens of thousands of dollars potentially every year. Tens of thousands of dollars. And you walked away from probably a lot more, maybe double that in the last few years when the rates were so darn high. This is no different than anything else. If you're interviewing for any job, aren't you looking around? Isn't that how you pick the jobs that you're looking for? When you go to look for an assignment, Let's say, you've, oh, let's say you want Florida right now. Aren't you still kind of looking at the different areas of Florida and figuring out which one pays the most and maybe where the location is the best? You're trying to get that perfect mix because we all know the better location sometimes, the, the less it's going to pay unless there's a high cost of living there. I'm thinking like Miami, for example. Miami still pays high, but there's a high, huge cost of living. You do that with every single time you apply to a job. So why aren't you taking that a step further and doing that every time you, you look for a job? Why aren't you shopping around? Who's paying the most? If you literally are jumping on the first company, I think you're making a humongous mistake. This is this is, I mean, this is travel evolved 101. This is where you really need to start paying attention. And not every company has a job, so you may be limited, right? So maybe the top paying company that you've worked with in the past doesn't have that job, but you still should be looking at what companies are offering it for right now because at the end of the day, and I hate using that phrase almost as much as I hate using transparency. It's the same process. It's the same job. There isn't an all, a whole lot of difference between how an a, one agency credentials or how they pay or what their insurance, frankly, is over another company's. It's really all about this particular line item I have down in front of me, and that's the pay package. How much are you making? What I do want to, and one of the last things I want to say about this is don't, I guess, poo-poo, for lack of a better word, a what looks like a slightly higher weekly gross until you extend that out and look at the math. And what I mean by that is do a couple of things. Are you just a 36 or 40 hour a week person? Do you typically do more? Do you typically ask for you know overtime? So is that disparagement between those two companies that may only look like 50 bucks a week, is that going to increase substantially? What looks like only a $650 assignment difference, which is still 650 bucks, 
is that going to be double that? Is that going to be $1,000? Are you looking at a difference between company A and company B of a $1,000 assignment, which is four grand a year, or is it a lot more than that? So I'm just telling you, do some of the math because it's, it's actually one of the things that I think travelers do so little. You look at companies and you say, oh, they're all about the, that's about the same, about the same. Yeah, here's one's a little bit more, and it's like 150 bucks more. Which, if you just look at the math I just did, we could be talking about you know twelve thousand dollars a year, which is a thousand bucks a month difference in income, gross, but still income between one company and another. That's insanely high, and I think that's what we're seeing right now with some of the people that are doing some of the things like we're doing, where you're able to cut out such a huge operating expense to be able to offer that kind of a difference, even on the rates that we're seeing here in early 2023. So consider that. But do yourself a favor. Really think about, do I get overtime? Is there, am I going to be working a bunch of holidays like we just had passed? Is that going to come into play? How are these companies not only paying me on my gross, but is there a, an incentive and a true proper way to be paid between hours 36 and 40? And they're using that larger figure to multiply by 1.5 for my overtime, my callback, and my uh, holiday pay? Or are they simply using time and a half of just my, um, just my taxable income? Those differences start to become bigger and bigger and bigger. Next thing you know, between the company you were looking at and this other company that maybe you've never worked for before, there could be literally $15,000 difference annually in working for this company or the other, and everything else is pretty much the same. So the pay package is, in my opinion, clearly the biggest difference between companies. And it really is what, when we talk about a travel company's goals, it's what they want you to think about and consider the least. Hear that again. It's the pay package that we're offering you, when I say we, I'm talking about agencies, is the number one thing we actually don't want you to scrutinize at all. We just want you to take it. Please don't shop this around. That's what your recruiter is saying. Please don't look at anybody else. In our app, I want you to because I'm proud of what we have and I feel very confident. It's going to be really hard for you to find someone that beats that. Maybe they'll match it here and there, but I know over time that company's going to get tired of trying to match what we're doing. And that's part of our philosophy and our plan. I think other companies are starting to follow suit saying, we've got to offer up a larger piece of the pie for the traveler. Can't control Uncle Sam, can't control what a vendor fee is, but we can certainly take less. But how do we do that? The only way I know how to do that, the only way I know how to do that is to have a whole bunch of travelers and work off a really thin margin, which is really difficult or to somehow cut your operating expenses out, which there's only a few places you can do that, right? Okay, so another area that, that agencies, one of the goals agencies have is they want you to get their overall image is and feel is superior to else's. I haven't seen this as much lately, but a few years back, there was a number of companies that did a pretty darn good job of having fun, trying to be the, the agencies of families. There was a handful of companies that were doing it. I was one of them. It was it was a way for us to try to say, hey, we're we're different, we're better. I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because I don't think it, it, it's happening as much now. And it's a difficult image to, I guess, to uphold if, in fact, the pay packages aren't as solid. And that's what we saw with some companies that were trying to say, we're the best thing, we're family. All of a sudden, like, yeah, but your pay sucks, and everyone left them because it came out that, well, you know what, there's more important things than you know having a, having a, a great a great uh, TikTok that you did because it looks like you guys are having fun and, and giving razzing each other in the recruiting department or because I had a traveler come in and say, this company's great. There's a lot of other reasons than that. And it started to come, so I don't want to spend a lot of time with it because it's not a big deal anymore. But that is something that all of us agencies try to do. We try to have you feel 
and a goal of ours is to have it so that you feel like you're part of the team, good or not bad. Um, here's the facts. An agency, an agency's out there. Whether you guys like this or not, I'm just going to tell you that it's straight skinny. Every agency is out there trying to constantly figure out how to actually make the slice of their pie bigger and justify it without you noticing, without becoming so big that you run to another company. And what I mean by that, here's a couple of things I will tell you. As an agency gets larger, their operating expenses grow more than just with the size of the agency, if that makes sense. I've said this before on a couple other things. I hope I say this properly. To handle a thousand timesheets on a Monday and Tuesday for a Wednesday payroll run takes more than twice the amount of people that it does to handle 500. The deadline's the same. So you've got to start to increase your operating expenses for payroll personnel to get things done in a faster period of time. You may have to start going out. You're going to have to spend more money on insurance. You guys may or may not know this, but all of our professional general unemployment, liability insurance, all those riders and things we have to add to get the contract itself, a lot of that is predicated and based upon the the 941 forms or the actual taxable income that companies have, workman's compensation. All this is based upon how much revenue and how much payroll, I should say, is in each state. So the bigger your payroll, the more expensive that becomes. It is cheaper for small companies to have a workman's comp policy, let's just say in my state of Colorado, than it is for an agency that's three times as big. It's going to cost them more. There are some actual viable reasons why companies' margins and have to get bigger as they grow with the way the current model is. You've got to hire more and more recruiters. You've got to now have recruiting managers or team leads or whatever they're going to call it to maintain it. It becomes more cumbersome to have that same mom-and-pop feel when you are no longer mom-and-pop, if that makes sense. So you've got to get bigger. You've got vice presidents walking around that, are overseeing and doing their job. It it becomes more complicated, which, again, I'm not justifying. I'm just telling you guys the, the skinny. If you see a company that you really liked and they're starting to go through the roof with an old model, the normal model, they're going to take. They're going to hire more and more recruiters, which means they're going to swing and miss. They're going to have more and more expenses where people that don't work out and don't bring in the revenue that they need to justify their seat as a recruiter. And they're going to start having more and more vice presidents and, and more and more operating expenses walking around to, to justify it. You're going to see a change in their pay package. It's going to start to get less and less than other of their competition. It's just the way it works. There's a little bit of greed factor involved. If they become publicly traded, like some of them are, you've got shareholders that want that. But the companies themselves are setting themselves up to do a couple of things. They are trying to be either absorbed by another company, potentially. In other words, the owners of those companies or the higher-ups, let's say they're not publicly traded, they have an end goal. I don't think most people want to you know, work until they're, let's say, 65 and then just hand that off to you know, some, a friend or their kid, right? Maybe they do. But they want to sell the company or they want to either grow by organically or they're going to want to absorb other companies. There's always an agenda. There's always a company goal to get bigger and bigger because Again, the bigger you become as a company, it becomes easier for you to gain that market share just by word of mouth and recognition of the name. 
that's also a very real thing. I'm probably not doing this justice. But the fact is that the bigger you are, the more people naturally say, oh, I've heard about XYZ Company. I'm going to give them a call and try it. That's a real thing. So that is, a, that is one of the travel agency's goals is to be big. And some of them do it organically just by getting better and better and bigger and bigger and having more of those operating expenses. Others do it by acquiring some smaller companies as they start to have some capital and some revenue stream. They say, hey, listen, we're going to go grab this mom and pop company and we're going to absorb them and we're going to take all their travelers and we're going to start to get bigger and grow. The opposite is also true. A lot of a lot of people want to be purchased out, and you guys have seen that. There's a lot of companies that are buying agencies up and letting them keep their identity, letting them keep their name, but they are now a division of blank, 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 let's say. We've seen that a lot in the last 20 years. And they try to maintain that mom and pop feel. It's really difficult for them, too, because now they've got rules of a publicly traded company, potentially, that's trying to tell them, here's how we want things done. So that is also a travel agency's goals. I'm going to push my notes aside and finish with this today because I want to keep this relatively short because it's, it's, it's a pretty straightforward episode, and I hope you guys enjoy it. I hope I did it justice. Agencies want to make more and more money. We were lucky enough that we did. Most of us, if not all of us, did make more and more money as the bill rates got higher because we were making a, the same, even if we kept our, our margins the same, the, the percentage of the bill rate stayed the same, but that figure was higher because the bill rate was much higher for the same effort. In other words, on a $200 bill rate for, let's say, an ICU nurse, we didn't have to work any harder or do anything more than we did a year before when the bill rate was 80. We had to pay the traveler a lot more money, so we had more money out there. So the cost of our money, if we didn't have it ourselves, may have been higher. But that 20%, let's just say, well, it wasn't 20 let's say it was 30% for most companies, that was now $60 an hour as opposed to being $30 an hour. And I'm using that as an example. At a $200 bill rate, if there was no agency fee or if there was no vendor fee, agents were making 60 bucks an hour if they had a 30% margin, and many of them did. So what I'm getting at is that there wasn't a lot of reason for we were all making a, a bigger chunk if we were willing to pay out more. We made more in the end just by the bill rates getting higher. Well, now that they're not as high, companies are going to continue to try to figure out how to get their piece of pie as big as they can, if you guys can see my visual, without you running off to another company. That's truly the magical goal. And along with that, the other thing I said was that we're trying to get as many of you to work for us and not to work for our competitors. And many companies are trying to do that without any, any advantage that they can show you for going to work for them. Besides, I've got a great recruiter who's your buddy and your, and your pal. And I think that's what drives a lot of us who have been in this industry a long time so nuts. And a lot of you travelers that get it, you're looking at this saying, I mean, I've, I, I cannot tell you how many days go by, very, very few where someone's not complaining about the current process um, in which you guys find and secure your positions. And the word recruiter comes up almost every time. It is becoming more and more where travelers are realizing that it is inefficient, it is ineffective, and it costs you money to rely upon somebody to give you information that you should already have in front of you instantly. All right. That's all I'm going to say about that today. Guys, as always, I cannot thank you enough for subscribing. Please share this uh, this podcast, this YouTube channel with your friends. You guys are doing that. I got the, the results. By the way, I, I'll, I'll say this one last thing. I was really proud. Uh, we're in the top 15% of listened-to podcasts in the world. Now, I know that means there's a lot of podcasts that people do one or two of them. So take that with a grain of salt. But I was very proud of the fact that we're in the top 15% 
of all podcasts out there. And I thought that was pretty cool. And it actually made me go, I better start taking this one more seriously and getting some good content out there for you guys. So we are. Got some great guests coming up. And um, guys, as always, I cannot thank you enough for listening to this episode. Share it with your friends. Uh, give, us a, give us a look, see, uh, and check out what we're doing. And I appreciate you guys. I will see you next week on Travel Evolved.